Greetings and welcome to Natural Alternatives. This is Dr. Ellen Kamai, along with my co-host, Dr. Eugene Zamperone. We bring you cutting-edge information on natural alternatives, coming your way every Friday evening, 6 to 7 p.m., right here on 90.1 FM. Tune in, stay healthy, move towards optimum wellness. See you then. And we are here in studio right here at WUSB 90.3 FM. It's 6.03 p.m. And we have on the phone line with us Dr. Eugene Samperone. Say hello, Dr. Z. So we lost Dr. Z. Let me try to get him back. And we are going to talk tonight right here on Natural Alternatives about homeopathy and its very important role in natural medicine. And I think you're there. Yeah, you're there, Dr. Z? Yes. Oh, yeah, that sounds much better. So I was just telling the listeners, there's a lot of going on. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the things that you can tune into Natural Alternatives for. And you can always find us by calling us, which is 800-829-0918, or visit the website at naturalnurse.com. If you look at calendar, you'll see many of the presentations that are going on all over the country. I recently just lectured at the Open Center in New York, and we have one coming up in Florida at the Hippocrates Institute in West Palm Bay. So those are on ground. Dr. Z and I do lots of on ground classes right here in the Northeast throughout the summer. So you can check back for that. But we have several online classes coming up. One is on thyroid health and wellness. One is sponsored by Gaia Herbs, which will be on natural remedies for allergies. That's 100% free and grants credits to naturopathic physicians. Dr. Z, you can even listen in and get credits if you need any towards your naturopathic license. And all the classes that we teach through Florida School of Holistic Living, such as Botanicals for Pain, Scientific Validation of Herbal Medicine, and many other classes are CE certified for nurses, midwives, massage therapists, registered dietitians, and acupuncturists. So if you have any of those licenses and you're looking for credits, which everyone needs for their ongoing licensure, you actually can take those classes online. And we do have ongoing classes all spring and summer right here in our listening area if you are in the New York or Connecticut area. So thank you so much for joining us. Of course, Dr. Z, we have a lot of books which make great Christmas presents or holiday presents. Yeah, by the way, I meant to tell you, I need more of the pain books. I'm all sold out, so we need to talk about that doing another order of those things. Okay, all you have to do is tell me how many you want, and I'll put the order through tomorrow, and it'll arrive at your door. But listeners should know that, you know, we have a a newer book on pain, 
and inflammation and a lot of natural things you can do on that and that is um, you can get a copy of that and um, also of course our classic book on arthritis which is still selling out there and our natural medicine chest and other books that we've done and contributed to. Yeah, the books are available, by the way, at naturalnurse.com. Go to products and then books. And by the way, Dr. Z, both the books we put out this year, Virility and Vitality and Supplements for Pain, are available both as a hard copy or as an ebook. So ah. They are actually available as we speak. As the ebook. Yeah, as an ebook. But you want the hard copy, so I'm going to get a bunch sent to you. About how many do you want? Oh, I think we probably need a good maybe 10 or so. Would okay. Be good. Yeah, we'll get them right to you. Fabulous. I'll just order some because I'll be lecturing this week at Soho. Soho is the um, conference, which is in Orlando, Florida. And that actually has um, about mm, several thousand people will be at that. It's the Natural Products Expo. And so we will be, uh, we will be there if anyone is in the Orlando area this coming week. And I, so I did just order books for that purpose. Great. Are you there? I don't know why. There are... So we'll see if we get him back again because we're having just a little trouble with the phone tonight. So I think it will be good now. We're back. Okay. I think we're just having some trouble with the phone. Yeah. Now, I know we were talking about a very interesting topic to discuss tonight. And that would be um, one of the many healing modalities that we talk about, in fact, in all of our books. Every one of the books that we have talks about how to use homeopathy as an adjunctive therapy along with diet, food, stress reduction techniques, and, of course, our specialty in botanical and herbal medicine. But homeopathy is also important, Dr. Z. And I just want to throw out that on November 15th, we're only a few days out from that, on November 15, 2016, the Federal Trade Commission sent out, they issued an enforcement policy regarding marketing homeopathic drugs, which is going to interfere with your ability to get them and your ability to know how to use them. So with that in mind, we're going to give you some historical background on homeopathy. So why don't you start with that, Dr. Z? Sure. Well, um, and then we'll get into today, I want to talk a little about some clinical trials on homeopathy. There are some scientific informations and then even trials comparing a single medicine to placebo and then there's some really interesting lab research on homeopathy like activity of aspirin at ultra low doses biological activity of antimycotics immunomodulating effects of different homeopathic preparations and then I'll talk about um, the Scottish research on allergy and Maybe Dr. Benveniste from, and then more modern homeopathic theories of possibly how it works. But, you know, homeopathy is a very interesting discipline, therapeutic approach developed over 200 years ago by a German physician named Dr. Samuel Hahnemann. 
basic tenet is symptoms of diseases are a natural part of the healing process, and they're the body's innate reaction to a challenge, and as such, they need to be looked at as the way that the organism is going about the healing process. And actually, the homeopathic doctor seeks to look at these symptoms and understand basically what's called how to choose the right remedy to help people, not just with the symptoms. They just use the symptoms as a guiding principle, but actually uh, to deal with the true essence of the, the malady, whether it's an injury, a chronic disease, an acute disease, you name it. So um, the appropriate homeopathic medicine is chosen based on the law of similars, and that's an ancient principle I'll touch base on a little later. And we know that uh, law of similars is, uh, you know, the basis of vaccines to what's called a modern-day um, research on homeopathic principles used in everyday um, toxicology and environmental um, issues, which is called hormesis, which we'll need to talk about because that actually is homeopathy, and that's well studied. If you put hormesis into your Google engine, there are many, many hundreds, if not thousands of, of studies on hormesis, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Remind me of these types of things. But back to history. So, um, you know, basically the appropriate homeopathic formula or, or, or um, substance is chosen based on a careful and thorough review and evaluation of the patient's symptoms. And I might add their physical and mental symptoms as well. And that's what's so unique about homeopathy is that the mental Symptoms have to be taken into consideration. Well, we see that in so many of the more traditional healing systems. If you look at Ayurveda from India or traditional Chinese medicine, which we teach on our Chinatown artworks, we'll be having one next spring again. It seems like everyone really, and in homeopathy, and in Bosch or Beige flower essence remedies, what was going on with that individual in terms of their level of stress, level of coping, level of happiness or disharmony was definitely taken into the symptom picture. It seems that it's actually uniquely left out of modern conventional medicine. Well, yeah, they don't really look at the mentals of a flu, for instance. They just say a flu is a flu. It's caused by a virus. Get a vaccine, take Tylenol, take some Tamiflu, and go about it. But actually, in homeopathy, a well-chosen remedy has to be done looking at the patient's mental symptoms as well as their physical symptoms. And that's why it's so unique and sometimes, and most of the times, very effective for uh, many illnesses. Now, I'll give you an example. If you have a flu where you're uh, very red in the face and you have a high temperature and you're you're bothered by lights and you're very you're feeling like wild and emotionally uh, you know pretty like a wild animal kind of you just feel caged uh, your skin hurts that's very different than if you feel drowsy dopey dreary dull 
and can't get off the couch. They're both manifestations, Dr. Kamai, of the flu. Maybe they're even, you know, the the same bug is involved, you know. But it's the individual's um, a disease is an individual expression of the symptoms that the patient has. So the, 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 those patients could have similar bugs in them, viruses in them, not that that's really the true cause of the disease because a virus doesn't really cause the flu unless it's allowed to grow and the patient's own individuality and susceptibility and immune system has to be such to allow all that. But So one has this very you know, dull, drowsy approach, and one has this very animated approach. They're both the same thing. Now, in allopathic medicine, mainstream medicine, they both get Tamiflu, and, and that would not be taken into consideration that one is dull, dreary, drowsy, dull, and one's wild like an animal with heat coming out of their bodies, pupils dilated, et cetera, et cetera. I think I'm painting a good picture. It's hard on radio, but <laughs> You can imagine, one would need belladonna, the other one would need gelsemium, you see. So that's what's interesting about homeopathy is that even with the same pathology, you'd use different medicines. And so um, now, you know, homeopathy um, basically came about in the 1700s and goes way back to Hippocrates who taught the same things which cause disease can cure it. He said, and he also said, first do no harm, and many things like that. You know, food as medicine, medicine as food. He also said the cause is the cure. And so this was, um, you know, evidenced by Hippocrates and many Ayurvedic physicians and Chinese physicians who were actually the first to develop a cowpox or smallpox vaccine way, way before Jenner did it uh, back when. So... We know that this idea that if you give a small amount of the substance that creates a problem, that it actually has the opposite effects in the body. So I'll give you a great example. Let's use coffee. Everyone knows coffee. Uh, when you drink coffee, as you know, you go to Starbucks or any company that you know sells coffee or make it yourself, it acts as a stimulant. You know, it has certain it's, it's certain effects on the heart, on the mind. It creates a, awakeness, awareness, meant flow of ideas, maybe insomnia if you do too much, and certainly maybe stomach aches and pains and diarrhea. That's why it loosens the bowels, and many people can't go to the bathroom in our society without their morning coffee. But nonetheless, it has a set of effects. Now, some people say that these are that these are some side effects of coffee. But in homeopathic thinking, there's no such things as side effects. There's only effects of a particular drug. So in small doses, though, homeopathic coffee has the exact opposite effects as drinking a cup of coffee. It actually sedates you. It slows your heart and mind down. It does all these different things which is the opposite of the same medicine, it's just the dose. And Paracelsus said it best. He said, everything is poison, nothing is poison. Everything is medicine, nothing is medicine. It's only the dose 
that determines the effect on the body. These were luminaries of medicine that developed these concepts, Dr. Kamai, that we base homeopathy and vaccines, for that matter, on. So I find it interesting that the FDA is is um, creating this issue. Now, why don't you go over with the listeners what actually the issue is and what's the verbatim? Oh, of? yeah, we'll talk about that. And I just want to remind listeners that you are listening to 90.1 FM, WUSB, Stony Brook. And tonight, Dr. Zamperone and myself, Ellen Kamai, are here talking about homeopathy. And you can always find out more at naturalnurse.com because we'll be posting and archiving this show. And we actually have hundreds of radio shows archived there that you can listen to, you can download them. And by the way, Dr. Z, I think we have over 250,000 downloads of our shows. Nice. Yeah, so that's sort of uh, amazing what what um, podcasting can do. Now, what I'm going to discuss here actually occurred just a few days ago from when we are we are um, taping this show or we're doing the show live today, November 25th. So this was November 15th, 2016. So it's the FTC which is uh, the Federal Trade Commission that looks at advertising claims, is setting out to enforce immediately, this is a policy statement regarding marketing claims for over-the-counter homeopathic drugs. And they are specifically calling them over-the-counter drugs. And truthfully, Dr. Z, that is one of the reasons why right now today, since this law was just proclaimed, so they haven't had any action on it yet, you can go into any store, including, by the way, our typical drugstore, CVS, Walgreens, regular, yeah. and you can find what is called homeopathic over-the-counter drugs. A good example would be oxalococcinum. Yeah. Difficult to pronounce, but easy to find. Just ask for the white box, and it says right on it for flu, Okay. It says the name of the disease that it's for on the box. Now, you might go, well, you know, so does cough syrup. Yes, because that is considered an over-the-counter drug. But look at a combination of echinacea and golden seal, which is excellent for a cold or flu. It will not have any such word on the label. And if it does, it, is, it can be confiscated and the company can be closed down and have very big problems with the FTC and the FDA. So they already instituted the illegality of communicating with you what to do with herbs. And this is for years. Most people who use herbs know you have to look up what you might want to use them for or get a copy of our book, The Natural Medicine Chest, or another herb book to discover why you might want to use an herb and which ones might be good for a cold or flu. But until 10 days ago, it was legal for companies to let you know as a consumer why you might want to use a particular homeopathic. It could say right on it, indigestion, stomach ache, headache, flu-like symptoms, right on the package as regular over-the-counter drugs do. And now they are taking away that availability. It's a big thing, Dr. Z. Yeah. 
So now it's going to be available. They'll be available, but they'll have some type of a, a, a big labeling thing that has to they have to comply with. Is that what you're saying? As of now, that's correct. Okay. And that's going into immediately. So if you remember when we were working on our PowerPoint presentations, we'll be doing lectures on homeopathy coming up. Um, we talked about, remember I asked you what are some good sources, and I suggest people actually buy um, some discs that have all this information on them. Because right now, ABC Homeopathy is a website you can look up. It's free. And you can put in symptoms and it will guide you to some of the top homeopathics that you can use for that situation. That will not be allowed, Dr. Z, because that will be caused making a drug claim. So therefore, right now, people better start buying some of those paid ones that you discussed uh, so that you can have it available for your computer because it won't be so widely available online anymore. It's really devastating. Yeah, that's that's very difficult. Yeah, so now the federal trade... Programs are very expensive to professional. Well, you know, that's the thing. So the Federal Trade Commission today announced, or that they announced, an enforcement policy statement on marketing claims for over-the-counter homeopathic drugs. That's what they're going to have to do. So they have to have on the label, and this is actually in force immediately, although I hope they give the manufacturers a year or two, because, of course, the ones that are in the store right now don't have that, right? So it will have to say on every single label that you will have to say that... um, there is no, there is actually no studies indicating that this actually is a, a true use for this remedy. That's wrong. I know. That's totally wrong, and that's the subject of our program today as to what, what I mean, over the years, homeopathy has proven to be very effective in both acute and constitutional uh, conditions. We, right, but this is what it's going to say on it. Uh, it's going to say right on the label that the efficacy of this drug, and they call it a drug, is based solely on traditional homeopathic theories, and there are no valid studies using current scientific methods showing the product's efficacy. Wow. Well, that's not, told, that's not really true, because there are some very interesting studies that have been done. So I'm going I'm to give you a couple. You're on the Internet, right, Dr. Kamai? Yeah, I, I'm not going to go off this page, though, in case we oh, want to okay. refer to it. I wanted to yeah. look up, uh, I can, I, I wanted to look up this Dr. Uh, Cozin, K, uh, C-O-Z-I-N, and he did a study on, um, well, it was a rat study, but it was interesting. It was kind of the beginning of, uh, it says, the study of the effects of decimal and centesimal dilutions, that's kind of a code word for homeopathy, of arsenic on the retention and mobilization of arsenic in the rat. So that was one interesting study. So let me see if I can bring that up there on cosin, um, on arsenic. Because, and then, by the way, there was a very interesting human study. Right, but that would not be, that actually is not a, a study that can be used for a pharmaceutical. All pharmaceuticals go through rat studies and they go through human studies. Ah, well, that's, I'm just beginning, the beginning of the process of right. talking about it. There are some interesting human studies here. Certainly there's one 
uh, by Seal. Um, Seal, the treatment of recent traumatic blood effusions of the knee joint with homeopathics. Biological therapy, 1994. Another one, sports injuries and natural therapy. A clinical double-blind study with a homeopathic ointment by Dr. Bomer. Um, another one is... Uh, Here's an potent placebo or potency. Um, a model with initial findings using homeopathically prepared pollens in hay fever. This is by Dr. Riley. Now, this was published in The Lancet, which is, is not, um, you know, one of these hokey journals. It's a major, major journal. This study was done in 1986 in The Lancet. Uh, then there is another one by Gibson in 1980, Homeopathic Therapy and Rheumatoid Arthritis, Evaluation by Double Bind Clinical Therapeutic Trials in the British Journal of Clinical Pharmacy. Um, I have quite a number of other ones, too, which are very interesting. Um, you know, other, other clinical trials. Well, nonetheless, unless they are up to what the FDA and FTC feels is the standards for regular pharmaceutical drugs, then they can no longer say on them what it can be used for, but they may be able to say something like like herbs do. Like, let's say you know there's a specific homeopathic which is excellent for indigestion. Yes, with Thanksgiving, that would be... A That's a good one. So what are some that people could try? I always love carbo-vegetabolus. Carbo-veg. Yeah, it is. It works so amazing. Lycopodium is another great one, lycopodium. And, and Nux Vomica. It even has the name vomit in it. <laughs> so, um, And I always had a homeo... And still do. A homeopathic first aid kit in the house... And when my children were little, who are now, you know, in their 40s, I used it along with herbal medicine for every single little first aid kind of thing that you might need, such as bruises and bumps and being scared at night, um, bad dreams, stomach aches, colds and flus, earaches, everything that a child might have. To Dr. Z's point, I remember one day my son, Titus, um, had a really bad screaming fit in the middle of the night holding his ears and he was just that picture that you talked about Dr. Z he was bright red like a little beet and just screaming so that's the time to pull out the belladonna and what it did which was interesting is it actually brought his fever up a little bit and then he broke into a sweat and then I was able to just kind of wipe him down. What I used was witch hazel and water. And then he fell asleep. And he was much better in the morning, which was a heck of a lot better than running to an emergency room at four in the morning when you don't know what to do with your kids. Well, and there's a really interesting, um, um, you know, trial by Dr. Riley. Of course, once these guys publish these types of things, they always get, critiqued and lamb-blasted, and even, <laughs> even to the point where they're threatened to recant the study. And, of course, that happened with Dr. Benveniste, which we could talk about at some point. But this was a very interesting study in the British Medical Journal, 2000, randomized controlled trial of homeopathy versus placebo in perennial allergic rhinitis 
with an overview of four trial series. So this was done. The hypothesis was to test at homeopathy versus placebo and look at it to see if, if it had the same effects as placebo. And it was a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled, multi-center study where they did it in four general practices in one hospital of ear, nose, and throat outpatient patients, 51 patients, so small trial, but still it's something that um, could be reproducible there. And they were looking at a 30C homeopathic remedy made out of a particular pollen. They looked at 50 that 51 patients, and they said the results showed that the homeopathic group had significant objective improvement in nasal airflow compared to the placebo group. Um, so, you know, although some of the placebos reported improvement, statistically speaking, it was much, much higher with the placebo, with the uh, homeopathic group. So the conclusion was that, of course, homeopathic dilutions actually differ from placebo in their effect and that there's something actually going on with water and there's something going on with the ability of these homeopathic remedies to work and and introduce them to and influence living systems there. Another big one was Dr. Kazin in human toxic it was called human toxicology. Now of course they did it on the rat, but it's interesting that they have done this in a Chinese study recently with lead, similar. So what they did is they they gave the rats, um, they poisoned them with arsenic, but before they poisoned them, they administered homeopathic remedies to some and placebos to another. And they found, and they looked, and they gave different potencies of the homeopathic remedies because they were trying to figure out the right strength that would have the effect. Well, did you know that the ones who were um, the the animals who were prophylactically treated with the homeopathic remedy seemed to excrete the most arsenic and detoxify it, whereas the ones that did not have it, it actually built up in their body and they died. So that was one of the big, big things. And then um, they had uh, many people look at that study and say that was absolutely a good study. It was, it was done uh, very well. Now, another great one is this placebo-controlled trial with knee injuries. This is kind of like the stuff that we're going to be talking about in our webinar where they used um, different, they used the, this one was done on a combination of homeopathic remedies to treat knee injuries, and it was also shown to be very efficacious there. Uh, another one has been conducted in, in the U.K. where they looked at rheumatoid arthritis, and again, they found a very significant uh, clinical response over the placebo-controlled trial group. So there is some evidence that something's going on. Well, there's a, lot of, then, the, of course, there's a lot of evidence. We, we, if you look at hormesis, hormesis is a very interesting concept. Hormesis is that, like I mentioned before, Small doses of things have opposite effect of other things. So they did work with, of course, plants looking at weed killer and does small, tiny doses of weed killer actually have the opposite effect of 
the weed killer and act like fertilizer. And they proved that that was true. So in other words, the same, the same chemical that you would normally spray on your um, weeds, which I don't do, of course, to kill them, um, will in small doses actually act as fertilizer to the weeds. Now, this was, developed, this was a concept that was written about at least 100 years ago, if not more, by two pharmacologists, one named Arndt and one named Schultz. And that was called the Arndt-Schultz Law of Biphasic uh, Drug. So basically, in, in, a, um, in a nutshell, there was a recognized principle called the biphasic response of drugs. That it, it, If you Google, if you go to Google Image and look at biphasic effect of drugs, you'll see that there's like a bell curve that was discovered by Hugo Schultz and Rudolf Arndt. And they named it the Arndt-Schultz Law of Reversal. And this is a law of pharmacology. And now, in the past two, two decades, there's been a renewed interest in this pharmacological law, and hundreds of studies have confirmed it. That's why I don't know why they're doing this, the FDA. Oh, well, let's talk about why. I'll tell you why, Dr. Z, okay? Why? Why is because consumers who have been surveyed, and this is a giant survey just last year of 20,000 consumers who had purchased at least one homeopathic product in the last two years, more than 96% said they were very satisfied or extremely satisfied with the high degree of effective results of the homeopathic medicine that they use. So that has led to over the last two years, now we've been using it in our practices for 40 years, I have been, but there's a huge, huge growth in the sale of homeopathics. And as I mentioned recently, a few minutes ago, now you can find them in Every single drugstore. You don't have to take a special trip to a little tiny health food store. I remember when I first got out of school close to 30 years ago at naturopathic school. Remember, I was on Christmas break one time, and I had just taken my first course in homeopathy and wanted to try it on myself. I had to find, uh, actually, a friend of yours, Wanda Street, um, a woman who was, I think, from South Africa and was a, a homeopathic practitioner. Nowhere else, no, there were no health food stores. This was before all the big stores and the, the you know, the big health food stores were uh, not even around. And if they were, they were kind of like hippie, hippie places where you just kind of, you know, big sacks of uh, grains and quinoa and things like that. So, right. So, Yet, yet, when I went out to Seattle, where I was going to school out at, at the Bastyr uh, College of Natural Health Science, you know, there there were health food stores the size of grocery stores back then, and of course, that finally came east here. By the way, this was before Starbucks was a, a chain. I remember when Starbucks was just a little, little maybe 10 coffee shops in Seattle back back in the day. So perhaps the most likely motivation of the FTC and the FDA is the fact that 
the homeopathic industry is so rapidly expanding that it presents a real threat to pharmaceutical drug sales. And that is usually where you get to when you're looking at these issues which are being couched in the verbiage of consumer protection and safety. So are we, we're going to need to do like a, some type of action against this, like write our congressman and things like that. What are, what are some of the people in the industry, do we know what, what, if there's going to be some type of an action like we had with the Dietary Supplement Health Education Act? Because this is, this is draconian. It really is, and totally needless. But nonetheless, I'm sure all the larger homeopathic companies will immediately have to start relabeling all their products, which is billions of dollars. So this will cut into sales because some of the smaller companies will not be able to do the relabeling because it's so expensive in terms of new packaging and sales literature and all that. So they'll fall out and go out of business. This is what's happening in the herbal company as well. And then the larger companies will, in fact, go along with the FTC so that each product will have to say right on it, the case for efficacy is based solely on traditional homeopathic theories, and there are no valid studies using current scientific methods showing the product's efficacy. And then some people who are ignorant will see that on on the label and they'll choose not to buy it. That's what, of course, they're hoping. Um, So I'm not sure where all that will go. But let's take a little break. And um, allow our yeah, because I want to talk a little bit about the history, more about the history of homeopathy. Because did you know, listeners, that homeopathy uh, was probably the most effective cure for cholera and some of the great plagues that have uh, been, you know, scourges, yellow fever, and far outshined allopathic medicine at the time. This was, uh, you know, in the 1800s, and we could talk a little bit about... Right, so let's, let's take a little break, and then we'll discuss that more when we come back. This is for your knowledge, listeners. Stock up on your homeopathic remedies and stock up on books and uh, websites and anything that can help you decide which homeopathic you want to use and for what, because that's the information that is right now going to be interfered with. And we'll be right back with more right here on Natural Alternatives, right here on 90.1 FM WUSB Stony Brook. Do you play rock and roll music? Oh, no, sir. I consider it degrading, deteriorating, and degenerating. The music, if you can call it that, physically assaults anyone dumb enough to listen. I can't take no more of this radio. Rock and roll is for more. The rock and roll dance party raw, primitive, out of control. Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. till midnight, right here on 90.1 FM, W, USB Stony Brook. God, I hate rock and roll. You are less likely to let the influence of alcohol lead to unsafe sex when you carry a condom. One third of condom buyers are women. Join them. Don't rely on the guy. You be the influence. Buy, carry, demand condoms. 
go to youbetheinfluence.org. A project of the American Sexual Health Association. The Animal Protection Institute offers easy safety tips for avoiding deer collisions. On roads bordering fields or natural habitat, always watch for wildlife, especially at dawn and dusk. Continually look from road to roadside, checking for movement. Reduce speed in areas where deer are most likely to cross the road. If you see one deer, expect more to follow. And if a deer freezes in your headlights, turn them off and then back on again. For more tips and information about living with wildlife, call the Animal Protection Institute at 1-800-348-7387 or visit api4animals.org. Give deer a break. Drive safe. There's a threat targeting America. Lyme disease. Spread by tiny ticks, this dangerous disease can cause life-changing health problems and is now more widespread than West Nile tuberculosis and HIV-AIDS combined. So it's time for us to target Lyme disease. That means checking for ticks when you've been outside and seeing a doctor if you experience the warning signs, which can include joint pain and flu-like symptoms. Learn how you can target Lyme disease at TargetLyme.org. Me, a cat, moving in with a new human. It took a little getting used to. She has these weird games she likes to play, like this giant feather. She sticks it in my face. I swat it away. She sticks it in my face. I swat it away. It's almost like she thinks I enjoy it. But seeing how much fun she gets out of it, well, I guess it makes it all worth it. Humans. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Okay, and we're back right here with more right here on Natural Alternatives brought to you on WUSB 90.1 FM, Stony Brook. And I'm here with Dr. Eugene Zamperone. We're talking about homeopathy, and we love to hear from you. You can call us at 800-829-0918 or go to naturalnurse.com and you can send us a um, an email. But we can't take your calls right now because, Dr. Z, there's this phone is funny and I might disconnect you. So uh, yeah, okay. You start talking about homeopathy and I'll pick up the phone in the other room. Sure, yeah. Well, despite the fact that historians and scientists uh, and even now the FTC is considering uh, these things, um, uh, you know, unscientific or cultism or whatever, um, basically homeopathy posed a threat to orthodox medicine for a very long time, since the 18th and 19th century. Orthodox physicians criticized herbalists, midwives, and various other non-regular practitioners because they're not, quote-unquote, they were not medically medical doctors. However, they were trained, see, because homeopaths were medical doctors. They graduated from some of the many of the same medical schools as the allopathic physicians, but they just defected and started to practice homeopathy because uh, of the incredible results that they were getting. Now, um, here's a quote from the AMA. We must admit that we never fought the homeopath on matters of principles. We fought him because he came into the community and got the business. There you go. Wow. (laughs) That's pretty appropriate. Although most physicians past or present won't easily admit it, economic issues play a major role in what's practiced 
and what's allowed to be practiced. And of course, homeopathy posed a philosophical, clinical, and economic threat to orthodox medicine. Now, homeopathy, of course, uh, quite uh, you know quite successfully uh, eradicated many epidemics. In the 1930s, there were lots of epidemics, of course, and there was a huge one in Europe the Great Cholera Epidemic of 1831. Now, you could check any of the history books and find that these are factual historical statistics. And the statistics showed that those who tried homeopathy had a mortality rate of 2.4 to 21%, whereas over 50, if not 60 to 80% of those with cholera under allopathic treatment which included, by the way, bloodletting and leeching and, and harsh drugs, purgatives, um, died under that conventional medical care. Um, famous people like Mark Twain said that homeopathy was the most amazing um, thing. He said, you may honestly feel grateful that homeopathy has survived the many attempts of the allopathists, orthodox physicians, to destroy it. So... This has been going on for many, many years, Dr. Kamai, and despite the significant oppression from the orthodox medical uh, profession, um, homeopathy continues to survive. In 1900, there were 22 homeopathic medical schools in the United States and more than 100 homeopathic hospitals that solely did homeopathy. Also, 60 asylums, because remember the old word asylum was not for people that were crazy. It was actually people that went for healing purposes, almost like a sanitarium, you know. Um, and over a 1,000 homeopathic farmers, pharmacists excuse me, in the United States just alone. That doesn't include uh, all of the incredible amount of uh, homeopathic um, hospitals and doctors across the world, including, um, do you know that Boston Medical, Boston, Hosp Boston College was actually a homeopathic college first. Well, what, well, what about in the U.K., Dr. Z? Sorry? In, in the U.K., the entire royal family uses homeopathics as their medicine of choice, even to this day. Absolutely. Like I said, by 1900, there was 100 homeopathic hospitals, and it was very popular, and 22 homeopathic medical schools, um, and 20% of the doctors, these were MDs that went to school. That was why it was hard for them to defeat them, because they weren't folks that weren't trained in medicine that were practicing homeopathy. They were the finest doctors around some of the classmates of the allopaths. So they knew that they were trained well in medicine and did the physical exams and other things like that. They just chose to treat very differently uh, with homeopathic medicine. Some of them were skeptics. Actually, the most um, amazing homeopath in the United States here, Constantine Herring, who came um, here... Uh, in 1820, he actually wanted to disprove homeopathy. And he, he was a, a scathing critic of homeopathy. But when he cut his finger during a dissection, 
and it developed gangrene, and his finger was saved by administering arsenicum album, he became a believer. And then he went on to include 72 new homeopathic drugs into what we call the Materia Medica, which is the big book of homeopathic remedies that we read as professionals there. And he established the first homeopathic school in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and this was back in the 1800s. Right, and you know, that's that's going on now as well. A lot of people, when I've actually lectured at medical schools, I'll bring homeopathic remedies with me. For instance, the one I mentioned earlier, oxalococcinum, because that works so incredibly quickly. And if people feel like they have a cold or flu coming on and they take it, and every symptom just goes away to where you forget that you even have it, you know, then they go, wow, that really did work because it's instant. Oh, we ha- I have so many people that have, have used just Arnica and Tramiel, which is now called Tea Relief, for just bruises. And, and even, even ardent skeptics, people who would never use any alternative medicine in a million years, I said, just try this liniment on yourself and just see what happens. Just rub it on your shoulder or your knee. And do you know they come back to me, Dr. Kamai, and they say, what was in that stuff? I feel marvelous. My, I can move my shoulder. The bruise disappeared in a day or two. What was that stuff? And I say it was a homeopathic remedy. It was Arnica or Tramiel or, or another good one is Inflamyar. And, and then all of a sudden they're believers. So it's almost like you have to use it and then like be deeply affected by these things. And uh, there's so many great cases of... Well, in the bruising department, that's a great one to bring up, Dr. Z, because when I um, have given that to people, even, you know, when people have to go for surgery and if they use Arnica, Hypericum, and Gelsimium before, whether it's something minor like getting a, a tooth extraction or something major like actual, you know, some kind of deeper surgery, the healing rate is so much quicker when people take homeopathics before and after. It's just amazing. And doctors will always comment, wow, you got better really more quickly. And also with the bruising, Dr. Z, with you being a black belt and always hurting yourself, (laughs) getting all these black belts, you know very well that when people do traumatic events and uh, they're there's a black and blue area that can clear up right before your eyes with something like Arnica or Arnica cream. It's very powerful. So even as a first aid thing, you know, I think that, um, now what about, uh, the, the use of homeopathy by professionals to treat their patients? Would this be, would this seem to affect that? Because professionals kind of know the remedies and know how to apply them. Or is it just going to, affect mostly consumers, Dr. Kamai. Well, well, the thing is, uh, you, you don't usually make your own homeopathics. You purchase them already prepared. So how it's going to affect you professionally is since the companies that you are buying this from, such as Boreon and some of the major companies, they're going to have to comply with those labeling laws. So to do that, it's going to increase the price and some things might be out of stock, that kind of thing. But it won't interfere with your ability as of now to actually have them available. Okay, well, that's, that's good. Because it's such a powerful thing. I mean, you can even use 
what's called uh, tautopathy, which is treating the bad effects of drugs with the homeopathic equivalent of the drugs to detoxify people. I've even removed lead from people's body by giving them homeopathic lead. This is done all the time. Do you know that there's over 100,000 homeopathic practitioners in India and 120 five-year medical schools of homeopathic medicine in India currently? So people may have to go to other countries, South America. Pharmacists in Brazil are required to take courses in homeopathic medicine. Uh, Like you mentioned, the royal family uh, was uh, under homeopathic care since the 1830s. In Cincinnati, homeopaths were so successful in treating the 1949 cholera epidemic that homeopaths published a daily list of their patients in the newspaper, giving names and addresses of those who were cured and those who died. The allopaths did the same thing, but their, their death rate was much higher. Yeah, there is no reason for this implication of trying to decrease the use of homeopathy, except because its use could be interfering with pharmaceutical drugs in terms of profit margins. That's what it's about, unfortunately. So if you want to maintain your knowledge base in terms of the use of homeopathy, I would suggest um, you do look into getting some books so you can look things up yourself, get to know the remedies, buy a pack now before the prices go up. It's very good. Some of the bigger companies have kits, and in the kits are little books that tell you how to use it, and those books will still be in the kits now. And, and we, could do, we could do some teaching um, classes on it, you and I. Oh, absolutely. We can do webinars on it. If you'd like to take one, let us know. We'll set it up right away because um, we have a group call-in number where a lot of people can take it at once, and Dr. Z and I can both be presenting. Um, We just wrote a fantastic webinar all about homeopathy, specifically for musculoskeletal and traumatic injuries that do discuss all the studies and how to use them and how to look up which remedy. So we happen to just completed that project. And there's a lot to know. So what you want to do is keep your level of information high. You can check us out at naturalnurse.com. You can also go to drznaturally.com or call us at 800-829-0918. And Dr. Z, that was great. Oh, we're happy to know Kibbert's in the house. Hey, Kibbert. So we'll be transferring over to some Ah. music within the next few minutes. And with that, um, I would like to tell everyone listening to have a very, very happy holiday season. Remember to, you know, focus on the things we're grateful for. We have to continually remember to do that um, outside of the challenges we may face. And until next time, um, this is Ellen Kamai, the natural nurse, hoping that you stay healthy.